welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for a discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. What you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we talked about recommended health-building daily routines, both by looking at blue zones around the world where people live well beyond 100 years, and specific daily routines shared by experts to best support the health and wellness of someone living with multiple sclerosis. I hope this episode helped you celebrate the health-supporting routines you already have in place, and also illuminated opportunities for other health-supporting routines to consider. This episode, we are joined by a very special guest, Jennifer Abrams, who also lives with MS, to discuss how our ability, or lack thereof, to communicate our feelings with vulnerability and authenticity can impact our health. For my gratitude portion of today's episode, I'd like to share a little about today's guest. I saw a quote this week that is the perfect way to introduce her. M. Rose said, quote, you will never forget a person who came to you with a torch in the dark. That person for me is Jennifer Abrams. While I had been blessed to work with and learn from Jennifer in my professional life prior to my MS diagnosis, it was when we met up shortly after my MS diagnosis, when I was feeling lost and very vulnerable, that she offered companionship and a powerful torch of illumination, which reignited the spark in me to keep going. She also gifted me with an important book, Pivot by Jenny Blake, which helped me internalize the belief that I could forge a new life, even when so much I loved had been lost with my disability retirement. So Jennifer will always hold a special place in my heart, and I'm forever grateful for her wisdom, tutelage, and friendship. Beyond that, I asked Jennifer to join us today so that you could learn from her too, because as you'll soon hear, Jennifer is a fountain of knowledge and is a living example of how authenticity, courage, and the skillful usage of our voice can powerfully impact our life and frankly, our ability to live well with MS. Professionally, Jennifer Abrams is an education and communications consultant. She offers international professional development for public and independent schools, hospitals, universities, and nonprofits, where she trains and coaches folks in highly successful instructional practices, effective collaboration skills, and how to engage in hard conversations to ensure positive outcomes. More simply put, she's a voice coach. She helps teach us how to most effectively use our voices, whether it be in leading a classroom, coaching a colleague, managing others in a supervisory role, or what we'll illuminate today as a tool in our personal wellness toolbox so that we, like Jennifer, can live well with MS. Jennifer's highly acclaimed publications include Having Hard Conversations, the multi-generational workplace, communicating, collaborating, and creating community. Hard conversations unpacked, the who's, the when's, and the what ifs. Swimming in the deep end, four foundational skills for leading successful school initiatives. And her newest book, Stretching Your Learning Edges, Growing Up at Work. Jennifer has been recognized as one of 21 women all K-12 educators need to know by Education Week's Finding Common Ground blog. Jennifer also publishes a powerful monthly newsletter that we'll talk about together today. To learn more about Jennifer or to sign up to receive her inspiring monthly newsletter, visit her website at jenniferabrams.com.
Before I share my conversation with Jennifer, I'd like to share a little more context as to why I believe this topic is so critical for us to explore as a wellness tool. Over the years, as I've met and become close with more and more folks in our shared MS community, I am becoming increasingly aware of just how much our relationships impact our health in both positive and negative ways. Many of us report feeling misunderstood and have experienced somewhat of a pattern of engaging in relationships where there is unhealthy conflict, often beginning at a very young age or over a very long period of time. And many of us find the solace we seek in shared spaces with one another, where our fellow MS friends seem to better understand the hardships we face and are able to offer the type of support we crave. As someone obsessed with patterns and research, I naturally decided to dig into this topic. I'll share some of my research highlights here just to get us thinking about how communication and unhealthy conflict might be impacting us and either supporting or getting in the way of our healing efforts. Hot off the press in an article released just yesterday in Time magazine called Self-Silencing is Making Women Sick. Author, psychologist, and host of the Heal With It podcast, Maital Eyal, writes about the dangers of our culture that rewards those, especially women, for being, quote, perpetually pleasant, self-sacrificing, and emotionally in control, and for always saying yes. She goes on to write what we know that women account for almost 80% of people living with autoimmune diseases, and that genetic and hormonal factors alone are not the only factors at play. In fact, agreeability, extreme selflessness, and suppression of anger may predispose us to chronic illness and disease. I'll post this article on our Patreon page, accessible to all, in case you'd like to read more. What's important to know is that there's no shortage of convincing research on the importance of engaging in healthy conflict in relationships and its impact on wellness. In fact, I found so much compelling information that it may become its own episode in time. So stay tuned, but for now, I'll include just a bit of the relevant data so that we all understand just how important the skills are that Jennifer will share with us today. And as I share, be thinking about how these descriptors resonate with you and your lived experience. By doing so, we can do a sort of relationship communication audit to explore which of our relationships are currently health supporting and which might benefit from some future adjustment. Good communication is a vital health skill. How we take in and distribute information has an impact on our health and impacts our interpersonal communication and our ability to resolve conflict. Strong communication skills reduce the number of disagreements people have, which keeps relationships more positive and helps build trust and mutual respect over time. Healthy relationships are protective in nature and enable us to live longer, happier lives. In fact, people in relationships with positive communication habits age approximately 0.95 years for every calendar year, in contrast to those in relationships with unhealthy communication habits, who age approximately 1.2 years for every calendar year. Holding in emotions often leads to highly stressful feelings of resentment and depression, and we know MS feeds on stress. Speaking our truth in the moment helps us release tension from the body rather than bottling it up inside until we explode in anger or in illness. The body keeps the score and feelings buried alive never die address these issues. Toxic relationships can take decades to take their toll. Dishonest conversation and betrayal results in life-altering mental and physical changes by activating our amygdala. This matters because our amygdala is involved in the regulation of autonomic and endocrine functions, such as decision-making, motivation, neuroplastic ability, and the activation of the fight-flight response. Neural emotion regulation in our amygdala and prefrontal cortex are recognized as the key mechanisms for depression, which we know is highly prevalent in our MS community. 
Healthy communication, being able to communicate our personal values, strengths, and needs, and align our actions to such, builds resilience. Resilience helps us adapt to changing situations in life, to overcome obstacles we encounter, and to help us achieve our goals and fulfill our life's purpose. Healthy communication helps us build deep relationships and develop a strong social support network. It also helps us balance taking care of our own needs while equally honoring the needs of others. Healthy communication skills enable us to say yes and no with love and without guilt or shame. Communication plays a role in health equity. When we or our physicians communicate in unhealthy ways, we are less likely to seek, receive, and exchange reliable health information. Communication skills matter deeply for both patients and physicians, and this is precisely why it's critical we each partner with a physician we trust and can engage with in healthy, honest, respectful communication. Healthy communication in relationships looks like all people sharing their thoughts and feelings, expressing their needs, setting healthy boundaries, and navigating relationship conflicts together with a common goal of repair after rupture. Operating in this way builds intimacy and trust and is health-supporting. On the contrary, unhealthy communication in relationships results in one or more people feeling emotionally unsafe, disconnected, frustrated, demoralized, and lonely. Unhealthy communication patterns in relationships include toxic behaviors such as not listening, interrupting, offering unsolicited advice, speaking in aggressive tones, invalidating feelings, being defensive, lacking empathy, blaming, shaming, noticing and dwelling on only the negative, and so on. So, based on that brief overview, I'm hopeful we have a shared understanding that communication deeply matters, which is why I'm so excited to have Jennifer, a highly skilled communications expert who also lives with MS, join us today to discuss her area of expertise. Without further ado, let's listen in on our conversation. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. It's lovely to see you. I am excited to see you. Nice to see you again. Yes, it has been quite some time. Um, I want to dive right in and ask you to share just a little bit about your personal MS story so that listeners can get to know you, a little bit about your journey and how, how MS has impacted you over time. Yeah, so I'm 56 now. I've had it since I was 31. I was teaching at the time. It was uh, I was teaching high school. It was incredibly stressful. There were students that brought to me that one woman brought to me that she wanted to kill herself. I was in the middle of a relationship that I I don't I didn't think I should be in, and I was breaking up. And I just it was an incredibly stressful time, which is how this all starts. Around that spring. As um, things were getting bad, my legs uh, got tingly and I went to the doc who also diagnosed me as having a thyroid problem because that's another autoimmune thing. And it had been in my family, very common and put me on meds and that lessened and that was it, right? That was going to be it. That was just thyroid. And then I broke up with the boyfriend and then I decided to leave teaching because it was just too stressful. And I woke up one morning and my eye, I think I can't remember, it might've been my left eye. I I uh, put, I did like my, um, whatever you squeeze for the, the eyelash curler and it, and, it, and it hurt. And within 24 hours, I presented with what we then discovered was optic neuritis. My eye went gray and I didn't understand. And now all of this is going on. My father lives in Minnesota with my mother at the time. They're both passed out and he had MS, but none of this was how he presented. So none of it made sense to him and nobody said anything. And I went to an ophthalmologist and my ophthalmologist um, was absent that day. And I had a substitute and, you know, to, to just be sitting in a chair 
and somebody goes, oh, you have optic neuritis. Oh, you say your dad has MS? You probably do too. And that was literally, I, I fell out of the chair. I was an absolute mess. Um, I brought the ex-boyfriend back in, um, who very generously waited through the whole diagnosis with me. I did not need a spinal tap because my MRI concluded with so many lesions that, that the doc said, yeah, you got it and you have it. And we're going to get you on, um, Avenex was the first thing I went on. And so the, the boyfriend stayed with me through that whole time as I was like injecting oranges and trying to do all of that. And then we both looked at each other and I'm like, I didn't want to date you. And, and he goes, I, I know. And so I, you know, and his, but his sister had MS. So she totally got it. Anyway, we're still friends. That whole thing ended. And I left teaching and went into coaching new teachers that year. And proceeded on to, I still take, you know, I still get um, MRIs every year, um, but I have been in remission for over a decade at this point, never had a, a relapse. Um, and I'm on a different medication now. And, and it's been, I mean, how long is that? 20 something years, right? Um, what's super interesting is at 20 years, I said to my doctor, you should send me flowers. <laughs> that I have been so on it and consistent. And, and he looked at me kind of funny, like, no, 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 you should send me flowers. I mean, so the two of us uh, have, we're, we're great partners for many, many years as I, as I kept going with the journey, but I am doing really well. And it had, it changed the trajectory of my life. I can tell you that. It does, doesn't it? You know, I often think that, you know, MS, the symbol is the butterfly. And it's mostly because, you know, the brain, the MRI looks like the butterfly wing. But I also think of metamorphosis because for me too, MS has totally shifted my life and given me an opportunity to do things that I wouldn't have done. So it's not all bad. Um, right. It's just very different. Right. So yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing so vulnerably, especially around the um, the diagnosis, because that's such a difficult time for so many of us, and they rarely get it right the first time. And it, I um, was blessed. I was just blessed that that happened. But they didn't get it right with the with the thyroid thing. But once I got the MRI, it was so evident um, that it just went from there. So, but yeah, it it was a three or four months. But yeah. Yeah. Did you know the average is about three and a half years for most people to arrive at a diagnosis? So it, that that time is just so tumultuous. And um, I'm, I'm glad you had support, even if it was, you know, in in the form of a, a, an ex-boyfriend. How wonderful people who come back into our lives and are there for a reason for yeah, us. Yeah, I, I was a teacher, right? So I and I was single and I didn't want to inject um, alone a lot of the time. I, and so I had uh, students, families, people who were doctors, people who were nearby neighbors, and they welcomed me to have dinner and do it in their home if I felt unsafe. And I got close to many families from the school because of it. It was a very scary experience to be going through alone. And so families who understood you know, diagnoses of any type sort of welcomed me and we would have dinner and I would shoot up as I call it. <laughs> Community and support is so important. And that's just a tribute to who you are as an educator that you had people come out of the woodworks to kind of link arms and support you. You know, I always tell listeners, don't suffer in isolation. There's so many of us out here that, that yeah. want to help support other people just starting out on the journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Um, I'm really glad also that you mentioned that you've drawn the line between stress and symptoms. Do you have anything else you want to say about oh that? Oh my God. That, so that, is, that is what absolutely, I think, sent me into, I've had two exacerbations since that. And the last exacerbation, you know, I've got a, a shunt in my arm. I'm going to do um, solomedrol three days because, you know, that's the thing I was going to do. And and I was like presenting, you know, with, a, you know, and, and I was sitting down, you know, um, doing it. I just my feet were up and I had like whatever, um, like uh, oh, like little slippers on them because I couldn't my feet weren't right. And it was and I just remember thinking, what am I doing? I do not like 
I, I loved my uh, immediate supervisor, but the rest of the situation in this specific place was just so stressful. And I, I was like, this is not healthy. And what was ironic about the stress was, wouldn't it be stressful to not have healthcare? So it's stressful to stay when you need healthcare and it's stressful if you don't stay when you don't know if you're gonna have healthcare. So it was very interesting that I was just on this on, I was just like two years prior to Obamacare and I was waiting and waiting, but because of COBRA and Cal COBRA, I was able to leave and then pay. And that was like transformational because then the stress could alleviate because I had healthcare, but I was doing my own thing and I was out of a toxic uh, work experience. And People say that to me all the time. Isn't it stressful to know how you're going to pay for your healthcare and you have to pay every month and it's your own? And I go, isn't it stressful to be in a job that you really find toxic and better? I say, please take my money. I do not want to be in those situations. And so I make very specific choices about travel it, because I'm not going to tax my body emotionally, psychologically, or physically if I don't need to. And so, yeah, stress is hugely connected for me. So smart. And when you talk about travel, I'd love for you to share a little bit with us now about what you're doing, because you are um, amazing when, you know, I look at your schedule, I see where you're going all the time. And I think, wow, this woman certainly isn't struggling with fatigue, but obviously I don't want to make that assumption. So talk to us a little bit about what you do and how you kind of manage that in terms of MS. I, I don't have fatigue. I'm very blessed not to be managing fatigue, but I also know that I need to stay healthy. So I am a, a currently a communications consultant working in K-12 schools internationally. So many in the States, I was on Zoom this morning, um, but I travel. And so I just returned from Singapore and next week I will go to Miami and then move up to New York to go on my way to work in uh, Nairobi. And that is totally doable because, and I am not a trust fund kid. So there isn't any of that. But there is this thing of, I'm going to take care of myself. So I will go in the highest class that I can in terms of sleeping on a plane. And then I will give myself several days, two to four days minimum, two days minimum, four days is, is a gift to get over jet lag in the location I'm going before I start to present, because I know that to, that's silly. I won't be my best self presenting. People won't want to hire me. I'll be exhausted and I don't want to get sick. And so I'm very strategic about all that. Now people say, no, I want to be in the back. I want to be in economy. I will sleep sitting up. I will make the money. I won't lose the money on that. And then I have family at home and I want to get home as soon as possible. I want fewer days on the road. This isn't the work that anybody should do if that is not their interest. It is it is taxing, um, but I'm pretty intentional. And then when I'm home, I, I have a personal trainer who <laughs> I wouldn't do a sit up if I didn't have somebody. So I know that he, and he helps me very much with my balance. So that is something that I've not ever had good balance. And so now with MS, it's, it, it's just a psych, it psychs you out. So he works with me on that as well. So I am, I do the, what I call the overhead bin workout. It's all about squatting and lifting and making sure that you can lift a certain amount just to make sure you can get your bag in the overhead bin. Love it. Love it. You're so intentional. And obviously you've gotten really good at listening to your body, yeah. the somatic messages, right? So do you have any telltale symptoms that you experience when you start kind of pushing things a little too far? Mm -hmm. I get, I get cranky. Um, I get a little sick. Like I feel like I'm going to get a cold and that's when I know I need to drink vitamin C. I need to go get a massage or the chiropractic. I need to um, yeah, drink a lot of water and then make some decisions to sleep. 
Um, and I am up for, I'm, you know, I also take uh, a, a drug with me on airplanes if I'm going a long distance um, and I will sleep. So I, I am like Western and Eastern medicine. I'm like, give it to the all. Um, but I am pretty darn strategic about um, Korean body scrubs, about massage, about chiropractic. I do, I mean, you know how like doctors will like write you emails to remind you to go to the doctor every year or you haven't gotten your flu shot or you haven't, I'm like ahead of it. Do you know what I mean? Like today after this, I'm going to get my COVID and my flu um, shots. I, the, the, the last thing I want is any other challenge that I could have prevented. So I'm pretty strategic about all that. As well. Beautiful. So smart. So smart. So I, I'd love to shift gears and talk professionally here a little bit. Um, I used to also coach and train teachers to a lesser extent than you, but you know, nonetheless. But what I've noticed is that so much of what I learned through doing that has actually helped me navigate this the challenges of this journey. Mm -hmm. And you know, you send out this incredible newsletter every month that I subscribe to, and you know, it's an education resource, but it is to me, certainly so much more than that. And there is always something in there that is a major takeaway for me in terms of MS health and mm -hmm. frankly, living a life of purpose and passion. So I'm curious if that resonates with you. Yes, I would say that absolutely resonates. I think, yes, I work in K-12, but I also have been starting to talk to families at schools, to talk to the operations side, to talk to the food services, the, the business office. Somebody just called me. They wanted me to do a podcast for CPAs. Um, I've worked with law firms. I've worked with nonprofits. I've worked with theaters. It isn't just uh, K-12. Um, I think my education background helps me do a, a good workshop, um, but um, it's, it is about, it's called voice lessons and you can find it at jenniferabrams.com and it's an every month communication um, tips workshop or, or a newsletter. But what I try to do is I do some stuff about self-talk and in like interpersonal communication talk. Um, but it's both and it doesn't matter if you're in, in education or not. I mean, you know, it's, it's just about communication and it's super important to me to try to bring something that's in my world into writing so that I can express it and bring it to people so that they actually do live a life of intention and purpose. So yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Beautiful. So beautiful. So I thought we'd play a fun little game here where uh, some of your more recent newsletters that really spoke to me, I thought I'd just kind of say the title and maybe you could share with us a little bit about what that really means to you and how you think that would be helpful uh, in terms of the MS journey. Okay. So are you game for that? Uh, yes. You might have to remind me, but I bet, I bet we can play it. I think it'd be okay. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so the first one is if you can't get out of it, get into it. Oh, I, 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 a lovely woman in North Dakota taught me that the idea of if we have to be doing something, why not be in it? If you can't get out of it, get into it. And I, I think it, when I think of just sort of the MS stuff and doing things that are good for you and doing the right thing for your health, you can whine about it or you can have a different self-talk and the self-talk is like, you can't get out of it. This is where we are. So how do you do it? Well, how do you do it with less drama? How do you do it with less whining? If you can't get out of it, get into it. Love that. Love that. I don't know if you're familiar with the program out of Stanford, um, Shirzad Shamin, yes. intelligence.com. And um, yeah. I've been running people through in the community through that program oh. to kind of help them and myself, frankly, to make sure that that thought hygiene and the things I'm saying to myself are helpful and not harmful. And it's been so interesting, um, you know, to kind of learn our own personal saboteurs that we developed in childhood and how those habits can be really destructive 
And it's been really fascinating to do that program with people with MS because there's some interesting patterns that are emerging in terms of avoidance. Yes. Uh, pleasers, right? Um, and and controllers. We like to have control. And, and with this condition, there's there is a lot out of our control. So I just love that. If you can't get out of it, get into it, right? right. Um, we, we always have that choice. Anything else you want to add on that one? I put the saboteurs um, and highlighted him and his book, um, Positive Intelligence, in my newest book called Stretching Your Learning Edges Growing Up at Work. He's on 117. I don't so, know how that. that is wonderful. Great. Yeah, he he's brilliant. He's really changed how I look at mental fitness and how I prioritize it now as much as, if not more, as physical fitness. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. Next one, living my values out loud. Oh gosh. Give me, I, I mean, it aligns actually with the next thing I'm doing too, but tell me, tell me what I talked about in that one. Uh, just really priorities and what matters most. You know, so many people in this community have um, a real sense of overwhelm. And um, when I talk with them, often we're not gr we're great at helping other people, but we're not great at making ourselves a priority. Mm -hmm. And so we end up scheduling, 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 and putting ourselves last. And okay. so making sure that the things that matter most to us, family, health, you know, whatever it may be, if you're passionate about the environment or for us, you know, equity and education, um, just making sure that we're living those values out loud. And I think I ended up saying in that, that I, one of my values was justice. Um, yeah. And really even knowing your values is probably an incredibly good exercise for anybody to do. You can look up values quizzes on online, but then to see, am I spending my day living in purpose and aligned with that because the pain, the mental stress and the actual thus neurophysiological pain that we experience when we are living not in congruence with our values and not working with people that we see aligned can physically stress us out. And um, we're just not in sync. And I'm not, I'm just not doing things if it doesn't really align as much. I am. I am a very uh, a strong progressive, and I've I've been invited to do work in different locations that have different values than mine, and I have to really figure out how to stay healthy and feel in in alignment um, in those moments. Um, and it's totally important to not judge that everybody in a given region is going to be a certain way or at a different school or whatever. But to me it it's it ends up just stressing my body if i don't understand what's not in alignment there and so this is another thing we've talked about before it's just as if not more important to learn what to say no to yes and what to say okay. yes to absolutely absolutely cuz you'll sleep easier you'll know you did the thing that was um it mattered to you you did it in a way that you were in sync with your values and you will feel less physical stress, even though this amorphous concept of a value is what we're talking about. It's, I'm doing, I'm doing some work with Dr. David Rocks, a neurophysiology and, the, and a scarf, something called the scarf model. He wrote a book called Your Brain at Work, and it really is mind and body connection. So it's terribly important that we, that we do both because it's, it's going to impact our body. And the further I get along on this journey, the more I realize just how critical that is. Yeah. It's right. I, yeah. I didn't realize that in the beginning. So the next one is actually kind of related. It's keep sweeping. And the quote in that was, um, you have more natural energy when you are clear with your environment, health and emotional balance, money and relationships. Talk to us a little bit about sweeping. So as a coach, I had a coach uh, at one point and I've had a coach and many other people have supported me as thought partners for the last, I don't know, 15 years. And one of the things that my first coach brought to me was something called the clean sweep. It was something that the belated Thomas Leonard from like Coach 101 or Coaching 101, he passed away, uh, would talk about. And he was just like, my guess is he would just say, 
things will get more in alignment for you if you actually pay attention to all parts of your life. And I went back to it and I was just like so proud of myself that I did I I it took 10 years, but I did get in alignment with is the place I'm living clean? Is the are my am I handling my budget well? Do I have friends in my life that really align with where I want to go? Am I traveling to where I want to be? Um, am I doing the work I want to be doing? And there are so many challenges that people have. They have families and so they can't change their job or they need the health insurance and they can't change their job or somebody's, you know, their family member is needing them at this specific time. And so there are many things to which the clean sweep given the time that you're in might not work, but there's so much within your control. And I think keep sweeping and get clear about what you're doing or life will just overtake you. And then, then what are we doing? And then you'll go, wait a minute, what did I just do with my life? Yeah. Yes. So, right. Wow. So that reminds me, are you familiar with Ken Wilber, his model of consciousness? Yes. Uh, because yes, he yes. has the wake up, grow up, clean up and show up. And, um, you know, that that cleanup piece has been a big part of my life the last couple of, of years, really working on shadow work shadow. and yeah. cleaning our basement. I wonder if you have anything along those lines you'd like to share. Um, I haven't worked with Ken. Um, I don't think I'm at a teal. I hope I'm at a teal. I mean, I know enough about Wilbur's thing because I work um, in adult developmental theory as well. Um, but I focus on either uh, Robert Keegan's work on adult development or Suzanne Cook-Greuter's work. So it, all of these people have studied something that wasn't really studied till the 70s, which I think is super interesting, which is we just thought that adults were kind of done. And yet there's so much, as you said, shadow and psyche work and work that you can't see that actually impacts everything and thus impacts your body. And so um, that's what I'm doing these days is I'm actually doing the work, but not Wilbur's work. So I'm, I'm, I'd look forward to maybe discovering more from him and his developmental stages and stuff. I, I just love all the overlap from all of yeah. these experts. You know, every time I add one more of them to the layer, it just gets so much more clear for me. Yeah. Um, so the next one is really related to that keep sweeping and that's the open space or clearing. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of the quotes you shared in that newsletter was uh, the definition, an open space in a forest, especially one cleared for cultivation. I wondered what you have to share with us around that. The thing that I guess comes to mind is you've got to, you've got to clean, you've got to have space, which means you've got to let go of something that doesn't serve you that will allow for that cultivation. Right. Um, but also, are you ready for something new? Have you cleaned up your, your campsite enough so that you can deal with stuff? And I know that I work with people who it's muddy water, man. It's muddy. It's not clear water. It's, and we need to sit down and get meditation in our lives and get just some space because when we have that space, there's sort of a buffer between maybe the drama that might be coming in the space that allows for, you know, I mean, just as we're thinking about like clearing space around your house so that the wildfire won't take you. I'm sure there's a metaphor in there for MS and a metaphor for life, but yeah. Absolutely. And you also talked in that, in that particular letter about stopping, like intentionally stopping to do certain things so that you can keep doing other things and start doing other things. Are right. there MS examples there that, that come top of mind? Wow. Um, oh, it's probably, it's probably, you know, start doing things that are better, change up your habits, put some space in, let go of some stuff that's unhealthy. I'm just thinking of things I should be doing, you know, more yeah. vegetables in the fridge, let go of the, the cookies. I mean, I, I'm being very, you know, physical about that right now, but it's to me, what you said about psyche and development, I, I just is much more where I'm at right now. And I'm having such a good time in my world that the extra five pounds haven't seemed to frustrate me at this point. So, right. Hey, I read the other day that that might even be protective in old age. So there you go. 
<laughs> well, there's a there's a spin on a on a on something that I was beating myself up around. So there good. you go. Let it go, right? You can sweep that one right on out. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about stretching your learning edges. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So my intention when I wrote this book called Stretching Your Learning Edges was in our field, and I'm saying our field because we were both in public schools, we have credentials in our in our subject area or our grade levels. And other people who are not in not in education might think about it that you have really good expertise in what you know. You may be a doctor, you may be a lawyer, you may be a, you know, who knows? And do you have a credential on how to talk effectively to other adults? And do you have a, a credential on how to talk effectively to yourself? So to me, the stretching at my edges was around five things that I still needed to grow in my being, in inner talk or outer talk, um, even at 56. And I think I wrote it at, at, at age 55. One is I got to know my identity. I need to do a lot of diversity, education, equity, inclusivity work. I need to be able to suspend certainty. Um, my way is a way, not the way. Um, take responsibility for how I'm talking to people, have hard conversations, express concerns before they become complaints, um, manage my emotional and psychological hygiene uh, so I'm healthy for myself and others and don't emotionally pollute situations, all because I want to be a better value add to any team I'm on. And I wrote that, and that's what I'm saying is that many of us have stretch edges in those in those places. And so that's what I mean by it. It's a learning edge for me. And I, this book that I just wrote, I'm it's two sizes too big for me, for sure, if not bigger, meaning I'm gonna stretch into it. It's it's like stretching. And and I somebody said yesterday to me that she was a modern elder. I feel like at 56, I'm eldering. I'm eldering. And to that end, how do I want to be? And who do I want to be? And if I'm being my best self, I bet you anything, um, it'll connect to my physical self and it'll make me healthier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think in my personal life, when I think about stretching my learning edges, you know, <laughs> I'm doing the same thing, but I'm expecting different results. <laughs> right. And so like really trying to think outside the box and, and try things, experiment on myself, you know, one variable at a time to see what moves the needle and gets me closer to health. So right. I feel like I'm constantly trying to kind of test myself and, and find the path that's best for me. Cause you know, MS manifests uniquely in each of us. We mm. can learn from each other's stories where we can find patterns that are helpful, but right. really the only way we're each going to get to where we want to be is if we do this personal journey and this personal work. Yeah. And I think it's been super interesting to look at adult development. So many of us are socialized, as you said, we don't say no, and we we do what's right for other people. And we we sort of lived in the, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't stop at a stop sign. I mean, there's a social contract we have with society. We should be socialized in that way. And there are so many places where we need to take ownership, have agency, and be what, what Keegan in his frame would call self-authoring. And to that end, you need to take care of your own health. And how do you take care of how you talk to each other, how you talk to another person, how you talk to yourself, how you take care of your body? That's really on you in a, in a lot of ways. And it's so challenging to learn how much is really on us. And I remember we both had a, I think at the time that we were both in our own school district, we shared a superintendent. And I remember complaining to him about something at my school and God love him, changed my life. He looked at me and he said, well, that's not going to change, but if this isn't working for you, you might need to go work someplace else. And I remember being so hurt but it was exactly what somebody needed to tell me was you are responsible for you and you need to do it. And 
we, I just can't wait for, you know, somebody else to play hero and to sweep down. I need to do it. So that's what I think I've done. I think that that's what MS gifted me to do was I had to leave my school district. I had to stay healthy. And that led me on this trajectory of being much more self-authoring. Beautiful. You know, uh, I've been studying the metaphysical manifestations of MS and so much of it is pushing things under the rug and letting it go and not addressing it and internalizing it and holding it in our bodies as tension, pain and everything. So yeah, absolutely. This is so much more important than I think many people realize, which is why I'm so excited you're here today. I feel like you have something else you want to say about that. Yeah. Isn't that like Gabor Mate? I mean, the idea of sort of what traumas, and I'm not suggesting, I remember I'm Eastern and Western medicine. I, you know, I have this energy healer who is like, we'll just heal you with the East and the galaxy. And I go, and I'm going to take my medication and get MRIs. Um, You know, like I'm still here in this body. The body happens to be on this planet. And so we will continue. Um, And this idea that we hold things, in our body, the tensions, the the past, that truly, I think the mind-body connection isn't something to be to be trifled with. And so if we can work on anything, a metaphysical connection to MS, that's super interesting. Because I know that my brother had asthma and my mother, I mean, it's like you you can look at what are the alignments of where it ex- expresses itself and how it might be diminished if you can deal with your your challenges, your shadows. It's it's all there. It's absolutely important. Yeah, the body keeps the score. Feelings, uh-huh. yeah, all of yep. that. Got those absolutely. little symptom cards right I here, and I pull them out at meetings all the time because it's yeah. it's just fascinating. And you know, it it's a reach for me. It's a reach. Um, but the the again, the further I stretch myself and open my mind to Western and Eastern and find that balance and utilize the skills from both kind of sides, uh, I just feel like it's it's leading me in a better and better direction. The body does keep score though. It really does. It does. It does. So I have a couple more of your newsletters I want to talk about. Um, finding the good in the moment. And in this one, you talked about mud. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Am so, I taking way back? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was just looking at, I was doing some work with a school district or actually a county office where they were doing, they're doing some very bumpy road stuff. And there, there's a lot of changes, a physical location move, uh, getting grants, managing a bunch of stuff. And it's all chaos. And I said, what we need to do is get into the muddy puddle. And so I showed a video from online. If you look up daddy and daughter in a muddy puddle, you're going to see here we are in the mud. And this kid finds it just so unbelievably joyous. The father totally freaked out. He's going to ruin his shoes. There's nothing good in this mud anywhere. And this kid grabs his hand and goes, hold my hand. Oh, my hand, come on in. And she's laughing in the moment. And ultimately he gets in it with her. And I started thinking there are plane delays and physical moments where you might need to stay put because you have a COVID diagnosis or there's just, just crap. What is okay about it? What can you, and I know that this is you know, I've, you know, put a, put a frown, put a frown upside down. You know, it seems really cheesy to some people who are dealing with major medical stuff, but if we can notice what's good, that gratitude piece does shift you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just okay. showed- Last one. What about tipping the seesaw? Um, the, the concept of tipping the seesaw. I was just thinking about this. Um, the, the, the idea of tipping the seesaw it comes from the concept of polarity management. A guy named Barry Johnson in uh, business um, and in politics, he studied, it's outside of education, did this work around, I mean, think about this, inhale, exhale. It isn't like 24-7 on the seesaw, you inhale and you never exhale. In order for it to work, you have to inhale and then exhale. 
inhale, then exhale. And if you do one, it's not going to work. It's just, you're going to die. Right. And that's really about life. It, it's always ever fluid and ever changing. And the idea of it isn't always one thing and never another thing. There's tradition and there's transformation. There's self and other. There's autonomy and then there's alignment. And I think I was talking with a coach, speaking of coaches, a few days ago about being in relationship with my boyfriend and yet traveling so much. And what are the upsides of both? What happens when it gets that the, it, it's too it's not balanced enough? And what can I like? What are my little canaries in the coal mine to help me uh, do that? And I think, I mean, think about you know, you go on a vacation and you gain some weight, and you you I don't know about that. I've got to kind of get myself healthy again. It isn't forever. It's not either or. That's what I mean by don't tip the seesaw. Instead, rebalance the seesaw. Love that. And you know, when we experience these setbacks, it's so easy to yes. feel like all is lost. Okay. And it's like, this too shall pass. We will get this back in balance. We know yes. what to do. We've been here before, right? We can get through this. Um, so yeah, again, just mindset is so important. So we've talked about so many different resources, but I'd love to know, apart from what we've already discussed, are there other things that you feel you do every day that helps you live well with MS? Or are there other resources you think are worthwhile for other people to know about? I, I can endorse what I call the extreme self-care support team. Um, I know that people might not possibly have the funds to do it. And I know that not everybody, I am very clear that I get a facial once a month. Now, does that have anything to do with MS? Or does it just have to do with slowing down, taking care, remembering that I have a body, remembering to, to maybe meditate during that facial? I mean, it it's not easy for me to meditate. So I actually almost need to do physical things to meditate. Um, and this is really weird, but I go and get a Korean body scrub. So people are like, what is that? And isn't it too invasive? And is it, yes, you're naked. And yes, somebody is scrubbing you. What I think about is the, 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 la the top epidermis, it's a clean sweep. It is like, and I take that hour and I literally am like, what am I releasing? What am I releasing? So everything that I do that seems like indulgent is also a metaphor or a moment to meditate. And I'm trying to get back in my body and keep it as healthy as possible. Um, and I also take green juice. I do, um, I do athletic greens um, every morning. I don't do it every morning. I should be doing it more, but I have that. Um, I just, I, yeah, if you can get an integrative functional, you know, care doc to support you, if you can, um, take time to do all that stuff, I physically think it's, it's absolutely important for me, for my health. Love that. Love that. So I'm going to switch gears and go way uh, in a different direction because in addition to both of us having MS and being educators, we both also really love a good cocktail. And <laughs> I love seeing your pictures of your travels. Um, I know that at least one of your favorites is the Negroni, but I wanted to talk about that a little bit because in a lot of MS channels, you know, people talk about how, well, I can't drink anymore, or I have a really negative reaction. And while I drink less now, I'm, I'm curious, like, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I think everybody should probably drink less. Um, and if you talk to, oh, what's his name? Andrew Huberman. The Huberman Lab episodes. Andrew Huberman went to the high school that I that I taught at, and I'm so proud of him and all of his um, work that he does at Stanford. Um, he would say, "Don't drink at all. It it's absolutely doesn't work." I love the taste. I love a Negroni, and it doesn't it doesn't I don't feel impact my MS. Now that's a question. Does it impact my sleep? Yeah. Does it impact um, how much water I'm putting in? Because that then I have to double the water. It's it I it obviously impacts. 
and it doesn't impact my MS. I do not feel, I don't feel MS. Wonderful. Stuff. Cheers. Um, yeah. You did mention though, that you double your water, which yeah. I do that too. And I often wonder if maybe that's why. Um, also, I think both of us kind of gravitate toward the clear liquors, which do burn differently in Ooh. our bodies. Um, okay. Yeah. Sure. So, so, you know, that's interesting, but I'm so glad to see that that part of you is still, you know, alive and well and flourishing yes. um, as you. you know, cause we need to have joy in our lives. I think a lot of people with this condition lose yeah. their joy. It's, it's, um, it was terrifying when I was first diagnosed. I, you know, I did, I was very afraid that my life would be so without meaning and so without adventure. And it, it has worked out that it has increased my capacity to have adventure, given that I left the work that I was doing, but it's also that I've met people and it's changed the relationships that I've had. So I have more meaning and possibly more adventure because I'm more transparent, more authentic, and more myself that opportunities show up too. So I wish people the courage to, and the, and the ability to see that MS can be a, a good thing in, which is a very strange thing to say, but that illness is a blessing in, in some ways. I, I've said that many times that, you know, MS is a, is a gift and really ugly wrapping paper. Oh my God. Absolutely. Right. But, but if you look deep enough and you're open to it being a gift, eventually, you know, right. that doesn't mean I enjoy all parts of it, Oh hell no. uh, but it has also opened doors that I never thought I would walk through. I've met incredible people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I think I just try to focus on the blessings part of it. Mm -hmm. and reverse through the negative and hard parts as best I can. Beautiful. Yeah. So if people are interested in reaching out to you, you know, subscribing to your newsletter, give us a little bit about where they can find you and how they can reach you. Um, yes. Uh, www.jenniferabrams.com, A-B-R-A-M-S. So Jennifer with two N's and then A-B-R-A-M-S.com. What'll happen is when you go to the website, hopefully within about five seconds, a another um you know thing will come up and it'll say do you want to register for this newsletter um and the newsletter's voice lessons um and i've got a lot you know my books and my videos and you know everything else is there and i welcome anybody to to join that newsletter that would be a gift beautiful thank you so much just from a personal level and also just you are just such a gift to to me to the world with all that you share and just may you continue to live well with ms and keep showing up as your beautiful self um, thank you okay the world one day at a time i truly i watch you you know cavorting around the world just uh doing your thing and and it's beautiful it's, it's a you. joy to know you thanks, thanks for being here Feel Thank free you. to come back anytime. Take care. Take care. I hope you enjoyed learning from Jennifer about the importance of communication as a wellness tool and different aspects of communication we can explore that will enhance our health and well-being. For now, I hope that we all, one, understand that our communication plays a critical role in our ability to be well and that the ability to engage in healthy conflict impacts our overall health and wellness. Two, that we each strongly consider reflecting on our lived experience to see how our communication styles and experiences vary in the different relationships we have in our lives. Three, that we use this self-analysis to locate opportunities to improve our own communication skills so that we are truly living our values in all of our relationships and maximizing the potential of our health-supporting relationships. And four, that we remember communication skills can be learned. So if this episode has illuminated an area of opportunity for you, know that there are skilled experts out there in both educational and therapeutic settings that can help. If today's conversation with Jennifer piques your interest and personally resonates with you, I highly encourage you to further explore this topic as an avenue for personal healing. We'll also continue this conversation in shared space at our next flock meeting. If you're not yet a flock member, but would like to be, please join us.
We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom monthly to support each other and continue our learning on the episode topics. We also support each other through hardships and celebrate our successes together. You can learn more and join us by visiting our Patreon page. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another, and honking our encouragement. As always, thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.